0: Hello everyone and welcome, this is episode 34 of the Lion Learns to Write podcast with Andre Bright, reclaiming narrative through identity, empowerment and creativity. Today I have in the house with me one of my great inspirations when it comes to popping and we have a really deep in-depth talk about what lies behind the passions and how sometimes the industries can kind of, the, the, the factoriness of it can let us down But we have in the house today Alex Mechanical Peters. (sighs) Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And we are live here in the house. Um, a big inspiration of me is in the room today. Um, but in case they don't know your name, could you introduce yourself?
1: Awesome. Listen, Andre, it's good to be here. So my name is Alex Peters, a.k.a. Mechanical. Come on. And um, I guess we met through dance. So Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been dancing for about 20 years now. Um, but on top of that, I've done many other things. I was a youth worker. For about five years, I was mm. a learning mentor for about eight and a half years, and moving into public speaking, which I started dabbling with from about two thousand and six. Okay, um, in different capacities, and that's kind of taken its evolution up till now. Mm. Uh, so at the moment, it's in the form of I'm a DJ on a radio station in Greenwich. Yes, indeed. Um, and in terms of the dance, I've done many things. I mean, I was UK champion, two thousand and six, two thousand eleven. Come on. Um Yeah, I've taught in a lot of workshops around schools, around the UK, around Europe Yeah. Um, that's been an ongoing journey So yeah, those are the different strands of work
0: that I do in a very brief Bruv, that's a, that's a lot of different strands there, bro. Mm. 20 years of dance, youth work, learning mental, public speaker, mm. DJ All them kind of things, your CV must be 5 pages long I At least to, I need to make the CV, that's the Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I, I need to make the CV, yeah Mad thing. So when Okay so 20 years of dance Like how did you get into that Actually What was first Out of those Like was it dance first Was it youth work My desire
1: Well okay So in terms of profession
0: Mm. Working with
1: young people It started in 1997 When I did did, um, work experience At Kensington Sports Centre Okay. Which is actually next to where Grenfell Tower is, on that space
0: mm. there.
1: And I did a, I did a work experience too, because I didn't want to go there. It's just there was no work experience. I was studying travel, and I wanted stuff something travel-based. Okay. But it wasn't nothing, so we got sent to the lesson. I didn't want to go. Right. But for a case, whatever. Got there, and it turned out to be a half-term over there. Okay. And so we were doing the kids' program, and I just really enjoyed it. Nice. So that was my first taste of it i And I realized quite quickly that if I keep the relationships with the workers, mm. it could develop into something I can do maybe during the school holidays right and right it happened yeah, so that was so 1997 was when my foot was working with kids I was, at the time I was working with primary school kids because it was like a play group yeah that the oh, okay. held that put on, and then eventually that led that led to me organizing. Those holidays, so I was like a okay. junior coach. I wasn't qualified to do the lifeguarding. I mean, man, I'm not a swimmer, so the, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was in the interest to not put me by the pool. Right, 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 you know? for safety for everyone. Really. Right, exactly for <laughs> yeah. everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they didn't want to be in the newspaper, quick, fast. So. Mm-hmm. But um, they left left me, left me with the responsibility of just planning what the. How uh, school holiday programs look like. So if I wanted yeah. to take them to the cinema, I organise that. If I wanted to, Adult. you know, or if I if we needed equipment, I request it. Mm. In my absence, they'll work at it so that by the time I'm in, okay. I've got what I wanted. So. So how old were you at this stage? Eighteen. Okay. Eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. No, seventeen is when I started. Let me guess. I was seventeen, turning eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was January of '97. So seventeen, turning eighteen. So you jump right in there. Yeah, but not knowing. Right, right, right. You know what I mean, not okay. knowing, and so um, then that developed. It's funny because then I had that job, and at the same time, I also was working in Madame Two Swords, okay. and I got that full work experience. So the next year, mm. I then said, well, "Okay, let me see if I can get something more travel focused." Got mm. Madame Two Swords, worked there for two weeks, enjoyed it. Okay, and I again, same thing. If I build good relationships, maybe they'll have me back. So yeah, bypass the interview process. I got to work there. I worked there for about a year, which kind of ignited my bug for travelling because you okay. get to meet everyone from all over the world there. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, true. Um,
1: So, yeah, that was work experience, really. And nice. Then, so, yeah, so I answer the question professionally. That happened. But mm. actually, my desire to want to dance started when I was a kid when Breakdance, the movie, came on on oh, the TV. Oh, classic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it came on on the TV. Maybe It came on at 12.30 at night. So, don't you know, I'm going to watch it. Right. Like, my dad recorded it. And then, yeah, the next morning, or the next morning, my probably the first weekend went afterwards. We watched it. Mm. Amazing, blew my head. Yeah. Um. But being in the eighties, you kind of accepted that there's nowhere to learn this because I think I was old Ooh. enough to remember seeing people practice on the streets, but it was at the fizzling out stage.
0: Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you just
1: accepted Michael Jackson was the big thing, so you just kind of had your little fix from seeing whatever Michael Jackson video came out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe at the time there was other music artists like Five Star Hey yeah. <laughs> right this, where they had their little group routine. So that was yeah, a little yeah, fix yeah. of dancing. You know? Right, what I mean? right, right. And um <laughs> throwing back yeah, right right. <laughs> you know and then um and there was a few other people that would throw like you had Terrence Trent Derby that would just throw a little angle or yeah. something like that. Um okay. and obviously Prince. Yeah. And then in the late nineties that they moved forward to like artists like Usher um, mm. He was doing a lot. In fact, I learned how to do the side glide watching his video, nice and slow. Okay. Yeah. okay. If you remember, the camera co- zooms on his feet. Yes, and followed it. Is right, it? right.
0: Okay. So yeah. I played that back to learn. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. What is he doing? Yeah, saying... yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So do you find you're you're quite um, good at like breaking down what you see and being able to mimic that effectively?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, good question. I think I think so. I think even more so than mimicking, I think I've always had a. And, 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 and I'm always observant. Right, right. So when I was younger, I remember... And I'm talking about probably when I was about two or three. I remember my mum walking with me down the street, holding my hand, and mm. then saying, Alex, stop gazing, keep going. I probably was actually a bit older. Right. But I must have been slowing it down, because I'm busy gazing.
0: Mm. And
1: I also remember things like um when I was in year one, and so it would have been the infant one at the time, it wasn't the year right. system. And the teacher said to... The teacher goes, we're singing songs and she goes, dogs go woof. And I remember in school, I remember sitting there on the Mm -hmm. carpet with other kids and saying, I don't hear woof, I hear woo. So in my head, Mm -hmm. I'm like, where's the F coming from? So I've always had a mind that was. just... I like that. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. always had a kind of no. That's not what I hear. Where are you coming with that? Right. So I think it's something about analytics. I think I've
0: always had that in me. Mm. Okay. Mm. We're gonna come back to that in like full swing a bit oh, later, gross. but yeah, yeah, like yeah. no, because it's it's good because I like I'm I'm really fascinated with the way people think. Yeah. And like we like we having a conversation before we went live and about um, connecting dots mm. and things like that. And I think in any kind of industry. It can separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Um, if you're able to do that as a as a skill, mm. but um, okay. So you you found that you were in a stage where you can see these things on screen, but there's nowhere to actually learn them. That's right. So how did you?
1: So a couple of things. So growing up, where I grew up in 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 Custom House Newham. Okay. Yeah. It was a very working class white area. Ah. Race. We had racism. Was it was I wouldn't say it was rife, but it was known okay. and you would felt a slight undertone, so right. even for me playing out, I went to a Catholic school, so I was talking to my with my older sister about this, and I think largely <clears throat> if you went to a Catholic school, mm. you was largely sheltered because any religious based schools always had a bit more of a mix, which didn't reflect the area, but mm. it's just like its own bubble, yeah, exactly. So having gone to Catholic schools, I think we at least in those hours you had the bubble but when you outside of that mm. and you're playing out of local mates for me there was always an energy of you, you know
0: these are your friends but right. it could all change
1: mm. depending on who's around
0: that's interesting how did you navigate that as a kid
1: I don't know because the thing is your parents don't understand the observations you make, so the challenges oh that you have is they're growing, they're they're teaching you the West Indian way, the Caribbean way for okay. us. Um, yeah. They understand from an adult perspective that a lot of the English white families around maybe are not strict and they let their give their their, their boundaries are much less, and mm-hmm. so a lot of Caribbean families, definitely for mine, they didn't want that. Yeah. So what you have to work out as a kid is why does my parents not let me do this, and they can.
0: Mm.
1: And your parents don't necessarily understand that that's what you're seeing, yeah. and that maybe, especially someone like me, who is an analysing person, yeah. If I question it often, that will be seen as rudeness, and that's just cultural to Caribbeans, I think to Africans but as Africans well. Africans as
0: well, trust me. Yeah. which
1: is which in itself you understand, but then the problem is, is if you are naturally an inquisitive type of person, yeah, then you're starving someone of their element, yeah, which could eventually move on in life. To, to bite you in the back because you yeah. become resentful over something that was a very very simple situation that could have been fed mm. so I think that's what I learned about myself and yeah so to navigate that it was a very I was not very sure in those circles I must say okay um, I think the fact that I was a fast runner and I was good quite sporty were my tickets to kind of have these friends Right. Okay. but I never necessarily felt like these people had your back it could change at any time that was the kind of
0: relationships I had wow yeah. So did you have anyone who you did feel like was right or die, like no matter what was wrong? No, no, not for in real.
1: not in the local area. Okay. You know, because um I had my school school friends was a different but you know, as Catholics the catchment for kids tend to be a lot more wider. Yeah. Because okay. it's 'cause it's less this less of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. So right. and it's so because 'cause I'm saying that, but then the catchment would have been just across the road in the other street. Right. But my parents won't let me play there. So in my world that's the next town. Mm, right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? they play with their kids on their street and Uh I play with the kids on my street, but the kids on my street went to normal, ordinary state schools. Right. And, you know, and, you know, the Caribbean, I mean, sorry, they're they're, they're working class, white largely. Okay. So, again, a lot of my black mates in the area, if you went to a Catholic school, again, were sheltered, or if you didn't go to Catholic school, Often the blacks that I did eventually get to know that lived in other streets, mm. they would tell you stories about having to fight every day just to establish themselves in the height the food chain in the right, playground food right, chain, right. which we never had any of that in in, in Catholic school. So mm. I was I was largely sheltered in that sense, but was all too aware of yeah. what custom house represented, the undertones. The fact that um it was a no-go area. Right, right. Um, and even when I l- left and started going to a college local to me... Yeah. I remember when they said, you're from Custom House. What, you don't talk like that? Or you or you, or you, survived? Yeah. Because the outer... Like, I lived in South Newham, but the northern part of Newham, which is north of the a thirteen, their reputation mm. was, <laughs> if you're going in there, you ain't coming back out. Right. Yeah. Right, okay. Like, so, just make X marks. Yeah, that's, that's right. why, if you right. notice... Like, Newham was the first part of England to become minor, minority white. But actually, my area stayed... When that shift was happening, my mm. area stayed majority white still. Okay. Because there was a barrier. People were like, I'm not
0: crossing the A13, I'm staying on this side. Right. That's... it. I never actually... First of all, I didn't know that. Mm. Mm. And that's an interesting switch. So, so you're aware of all this stuff that is going on... Um. I'm just trying to put young Alex into my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because this is pre-mechanical, obviously. Absolutely. So young Alex into that scenario. So I had a little part of my side of mum
1: coming here. yeah.
0: Like... <laughs> <laughs> didn't we all, bro? Didn't we all, man? Classic yeah. side. Like,
1: Afro-sheen, you had to hear the
0: quiz of Afro-sheen. Standard. That look was was all over the shop at that point, I can imagine. <clears throat> Those were good times. Good, good times. Time.
1: Innocent times.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what was your, um, say, so your Caribbean, mm-hmm. which?
1: My mum's from Grenada, my dad's from Antigua. Amazing. I'm probably more familiar with the Grenadian side simply because I was more closer to that <coughs> side of the family. We had family that was the same age as me. Right, okay. Whereas was in my dad's side of the family. Although that is family of my age. They were in the Caribbean. They were in Antigua. Right, okay. The family that lived in England were
0: much older than me. Okay, because it was my dad's big sister, so I'm choking because I'm eating biscuit. Yeah, we had we had <coughs> biscuits today, an assortment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man!
1: <clears throat> Sorry if I'm clearing my throat, but it's all good. Um, so yeah, my dad's big sister lived. He he, my bag. My dad's big big sister is what when he came over here, she kind of looked after him and settled down, found his feet. So her children were much older than me. Okay. So um I guess when I was younger there was very a distinct difference in age. So they were about their thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so with my um family from Grenada, although they lived in Grenada in America, mm. um the sisters and the uncle were closer to my mum's age, therefore the children were around our age. So okay. even when I went to Grenada the first time in nineteen eighty three, mm. we hit it off and even though right. I never saw them again, well, tell no, I never saw them again until one came to England in 1988, <clears throat> one came in 1990, one came back in 1991, then I went to America in 1996. Right.
0: Even though there was these long gaps, the chemistry was still yeah, there. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? Dope. Yeah, so. I love that when it happens. So um, would you mm-hmm. say, is family one of your like, virtues in a way, in that sense? Are you close to?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. So yeah, I think as we've gotten older, We've gotten more closer, so my time uh-huh. is like we've got like a little WhatsApp group where we just talk about life. Okay. We talk about um, our upbringings. We realize, you know, we we have identified a lot of disjointment between our parents' generation and our and our generation, mm. and it's it's kind of bred a lot of hurt and resentment. And often it's quite I would say that's quite true across the board in the Caribbean community. Right. Okay. A sudden disconnect. Hence why. <clears throat> We identify certain aspects, and yeah, there's. I, I, for me personally, i you know I observed like a disconnect that happened, partic- particularly from the generation I would say where came over, hmm. and the generation that had to navigate being born in Britain, right. not quite feeling British, especially in the climate mm, back then. Mm, mm. But then going home to the Caribbean and recognizing that you're not really seen as right. as a local either anymore. Yeah, so where do fit? Right. There was a lot of disjointment I think there was, for me, that was the early signs of the disjointment that was happening in the Caribbean, yeah. and so um, me and my cousins we <coughs> we talk regularly yeah. around things, uh, issues. We look at articles. We talk about our own hurts and that's What we learned yeah. in that direction. So it's weird. I never I never saw that coming in our relationship, but we recognise as men that we need to come together really push that men energy and work and build yeah. together and understand and heal together. Mm. You know, um, so that, yeah, that's, that's been quite, yeah.
0: Thing, yeah, like I, I, find that so important to have those conversations, especially mm. within families, but mm. one of the things I was going to ask is, did you ever have the opportunity to speak to that generation and find out like from them what their experiences were as well? Yeah. Now I'm doing that. Okay. So, um, when I grew when I grew up,
1: I kind of went through depression. Okay. Between fifteen to twenty. Okay. Probably end of nineteen, and where that came from is I think it was just there was nothing there was no major story to it other than just that I wasn't happy Mm. in school. I didn't feel like I felt very isolated, even though I was quite well known, and although I wasn't, I won't say I was popular in the sense of the cool kid. Mm. I was the one that just had the ability to connect everybody. I think right. I learned that about myself by year nine. Yeah. So I can get the top kids, and then they'll and they'll talk to me. But I can talk to the nerdy kids. Yeah. And if they're both around me, that's I can the get thing. them two to talk. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I realized. And so everybody, everybody got on with me. Everyone mm. saw me as the one that's easy to talk to, doesn't judge, is interesting. Is, but I'm not. I'm not intense about it. So mm. in a sense. Leadership, although I didn't understand it as then, but right. in a non intense way, so people say so I, I didn't lead a crew; right. I just influenced very subtly. I think. Yeah. So um, why was I saying that? I was saying that to yeah oh yeah to say when I went through, but I went through a, a depression, and my mum was very heavily into church. Okay. Um, and especially in the '90s, Pentecostal church was a very it was, a, it was an experience because mm-hmm. it was very. Much based on very narrow narrow but straight mm. rules, and you can or you can't, yeah, and it was based on a lot of kind of ignorance and judgment judgment, but I guess it was probably right for that time for like to navigate oh, okay. themselves in wider society maybe mm. I just wasn 't that person, I was a thinker, I was an analyzer, yeah and I can see it wasn 't serving my purpose, but to, to challenge my mum and that it would break her world, right, so right. our relationship yeah. took a strain. Okay. Um, and I think with my dad, my dad was not really, my dad wasn't really the type of person that was able to emotionally engage. Okay. So he was kind of the authoritarian in the house, mm. but not really any more than that in terms right. of what I needed. So I never felt I could open up. So I think I navigated those four years with me playing different roles. One okay. being Alex, whoever I am in the school playground socially, mm. but behind closed doors a very pessimistic, depressed, right, um, resentful, Mm. so I had these two and they just lived side by side for quite a long time. Right. So
0: how did did that feel like on a, was it like you would act okay kind of thing or was it something where you literally just felt two completely different ways depending on who you're around or
1: Yeah, I thought about this, and I said, was this an act? And it wasn't really. And actually, I only came to this conclusion two weeks ago when I spoke to an old school friend of mine. hadn't spoken to him for three years, so we had a good long catch-up. And what I realised was, no, school was a respite for me. Okay, yeah. Even though it wasn't. So, respite in a very specific way, my school friends. Okay. But I wasn't getting homework done, so there was a lot of anxiety around the teachers but I didn't want to get myself into detention because playing football at lunchtime meant so much to me.
0: Right, okay. That was yeah. the time
1: that I had a chance to just be myself mm. as much as I could be in that setting.
0: Yeah.
1: And then when I go home, I'm just, I'm angry with everyone. I was angry with my parents because mm. I'm like, mom, you're just burying your head in this church. It's not helping us, it's not helping me. Mm. I didn't understand that for my mom, what the church meant to her.
0: Right.
1: Um, and for my dad, I mean, like you said, he wasn't able to connect with me in that way. So I just got to a point where I just disconnected and just mm. found my way. I made my own path almost. Yeah. Way.
0: So how did you... Well, I guess two questions would be, how did you make your own path? And did you find a way to reconnect?
1: Yeah. So how I made <clears throat> my own path was, um I don't know why, I, I feel like something... I feel like I heard it somewhere, but I don't know how. But I just started writing my stuff down because I felt like I, mm. I couldn't go nowhere. I couldn't go anywhere. Right. I felt like, you know, these are this how my friends knew me. So I couldn't... I definitely am about to open up to them in that way. Okay. And I didn't feel like I knew any adults or had any... My experience of attempting to open up was like, what do you know about stress? So once I had that right. experience, I was not about to go there with anybody. Right, okay. So I think I just decided to write things down. And... I guess the decision was just write down how I feel. Not even anything structured. Just write it as though I'm talking to someone. Or yeah. I'm talking at somebody. Mm. And I did that for about three years. Until I began to start seeing trends. Okay. In what was upsetting me. Or what seems to be the things that bothers me the most. Mm. So that was helping me to start to understand myself at that level. Mm. At that time of my life. Then I got a job working in a school as a mentor. Okay, And... I was coming out of depression, but actually what it was doing was giving me focus to start mm. looking at other people, working with young people, seeing their downfalls, and then look seeing myself in that. So actually, that time for me was actually a healing time, although at the time I didn't realise it. Mm. Mm. Through them, I was beginning to see myself and starting to understand myself better. Yeah. Um, so to answer your second question, the whole kind of reconnecting... It's been more recently, I'd say, because I've had a much better understanding of where their head was at, right? And I was able to have much more. And I think as well for my mum, my mum's been a lot more reflective. Okay. So we've had a lot more kind of productive conversations, the type mm. of conversations that doesn't make one feel threatened when it's been had. Because mm, I think okay. I for a long time I was ready to go there, but right. I just I recognised that my mum probably where she was at wasn't ready to go there because she would just see yeah. it as as an attack. Mm. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things hidden behind that as well, because I feel like, it. I literally had a uh, one of the interviews, Sarah Dos Santos, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about a similar kind of thing about having these conversations needs to be in the right kind of environment with the people in the right frame of mind for it, because mm-hmm. it can feel like an attack or people can get defensive and you can uncover or knock over all these kind of things without realizing you're walking into that. So there's all kind of um, landmines when you're trying to approach those conversations. But um, so now you're in a stage where you're, you're kind of rebuilding that. Because <clears throat> one of the things I was, I was asking earlier was um, when you are talking to your cousins and you're realizing all this disconnect between the generations, um, it sounds like now you'll get into a stage where you're able to have a conversations with them and find out how they navigate it all is there anything that you found from those conversations that kind of like took you off guard or you didn't know or never considered
1: do you know what no for now no and i'll tell you Mm. why because um i've gone over this so many times in my head Mm. you know again going back to i'm a thinker yeah so the benefit of a thinker is they analyse. They can, you know, if it works, if it works in your favour, you begin to have a much broader understanding, which can then lead to things like self forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It can lead to having a much more, uh, balanced view of things. However, yeah. the negative side to it is you can overthink, and True. if you're in a negative place, it can f- further put you down. So you have to be right. very aware of that. But what I will say that, I, I say this humbly. I think when I with my cousins. Well, one of my cousins particularly, he's a bit of a thinker like myself, mm-hmm. but I think probably what I got from talking with them is I was, I seemed maybe to be able to articulate and connect the dots right. more so. Okay. So it's almost like I had like a, a map of my psychology, almost. If you had to draw on paper, I can say, right. this happened here and this is how I interpret it and now I can see my behaviour f- manifests here. Uh-huh. So remember this incident happened on this day? That was... That happening. Yeah. I, can, I feel like I'm beginning to do... So now... Okay. The concept of being thrown off guard... I don't think it's a thing now. I know there's probably... There's still a lot that I don't know about myself. There's still a mm-hmm. lot that I still have to come to terms with. But the idea that it's going to be shocking... Is not one of those things that I know yeah. that it has to hurt... Or it has to be uncomfortable. So as yeah. soon as I spot it, I know it.
0: Yeah. you know what I mean? It sounds like you're kind of leaning... It sounds like you're leaning into that. Which I think a lot of people would shy away from, if not run away from. 110%. Because um, it's it's not it's not easy to... I mean, it's it's bad enough, like, having that kind of analytic perception of the people and places around you. But when you turn it inwards, you can't run away from that. 100%. So, um, kudos to even having that. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. Because it takes courage, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember there was this... Um, <laughs> I remember I, I was going through a tough time. Yeah. I wouldn't even be able to call it Depression, because yeah. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who've gone through it, and I'm like, it definitely wasn't that. Right. But um, it was a black book I was given, right? And I remember they get, I was given it because they were like, there's something going on in your head. Right. And I feel like, this is what they were saying to me, I feel like you need to get it out on paper. Let me tell you, to this day, not one word wow. has been written wow. in that, because I was like scared to put pen to paper because i felt i agreed with them like yeah. i felt like there was something there and i didn't know what it was yeah. and i wasn't sure if i was prepared to for see what was going to come out yeah. once you put it on paper or once you say it out loud
1: it's a different level right and so often that's why sometimes you do say the power of words is important because it is because mm-hmm. When you say it, it's a different ball game to when you're thinking about it in your mind. Right? Do you know, it's a, right. a reality. But also, as well, I mean, without going off subject because I know cause I see where you're taking it. But what I will say is, when I relate this to like the conversation that me and you had about talking about racism, mm. that's why for me I take the stance that I have. Where because you said something very interesting about the fact that we don't want to face certain things because if we do, it leads to something else. Mm. And that's exactly the same thing that I believe is happening with the racism and the fact that you have this cultural denial about these things because actually mm. as soon as you open one door you're forced to look at some of everything else and if you ain't right. if you ain't equipped to go on that journey it's daunting yeah so you'd rather be the ignorant fool you'd rather be that person that has that looks like you've got no empathy mm. only because you're actually scared of what comes behind that and you don't want to admit that you're scared so you'd rather just look horrible yeah i'm bad
0: yeah 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 because
1: yeah. actually i can't handle what couldn't come from after that you know what I'm saying
0: and I feel like that could be translated to so many different emotions and reactions man right? like just um, that fear of almost self mm. um, can manifest in so many different ways in relationships in decisions yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you a question but one of the one of the other reasons, yeah. Yes. Sorry, I'm go- I'm going to be jumping around. You jump so, off, so you're going to have run. to be yeah. like, uh, <laughs> you see. know what I'm saying? Got the right <laughs> cycling pants on. Yeah, okay. You know exactly, man. You're ready, like quick left, right. But um, one of the things I wanted to um, talk about was since we're talking about this racism, and it's not necessarily even talking specifically about racism as a mm-hmm. concept. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things I found interesting about you is that you created a space in your locale which allowed people from different backgrounds to come together and talk. And you were hosting this um, evening, right? That's right. I wanted to talk about that because I feel like these days there's very few of those spaces around. Mm -hmm. Um, Even me right now, this day, is in the middle of a Facebook conversation. Oh, okay. And it's it's interesting seeing how people approach the conversation. Um, But how did you... First of all, why did you start that? Sure. And second of all, how did you... um, create that space which was which seemed to be something that people continuously came and openly like talk about things to talk about things so I feel like I don't know I mean I think
1: because the relationships I had with them these were all young people that I'd seen through school so we had Mm. that relationship Mm. they've now become adults and obviously you're staying in touch with them on Facebook and I was quite active on Facebook and so were they Mm. and they've always been quite um fond of what i what I've moved on to do yeah um and I guess what I but what I was seeing with these strong political uh, arguments is just mm. I just see a lot of ignorance and but at the same time I recognise well okay, even though I think that a lot of what they're saying come from an ignorant place, there may be something that I actually don't know, mm. and it may not necessarily be what facts can they tell me that I don't know. It's just why do they think that way?
0: Right.
1: So there was there was an element of me wanting to understand them, but it's also an element of. Let's go through this together and work out where actually we actually go this way. Hmm. And yeah. so that was the idea. And um, I think initially, so particularly with a lot of the, or particularly working class white boys, because I said, it's a working class area. But then even with this group, hmm. there was like different, there was Chinese. There was um, a Muslim, Muslim guy. And a few others, some people that would call themselves liberals, Okay, but I think what was interesting is that's just, just that they first of all appreciate the space to just have this I got them together because I realised on Facebook it was getting lost sometimes conversations right. get lost in translation you need to come face to face mm-hmm. to have these difficult conversations as you may have experienced yourself definitely 100% Yeah. so yeah that happened a few times and they worked I wouldn't necessarily say it changed perception of people but at least let people know that it can be done and at mm. least from my perspective people knew that they can talk to me and I would listen to them even yeah. if I knew it challenged what, I, what, what my thoughts and beliefs were you know mm. what I mean? so yeah that's what I say we're at with it now
0: I feel like there's a lot of because um, again the, the, the Facebook scenario I'm in at the moment is I got a lot of people DMing me afterwards basically saying why are you having this conversation like you're wasting your breath Okay. Um, well, do you mind saying what the conversation was yeah, so basically um, there was a, a post um, and it was uh, an artist who was basically asking for people of color to be critiquing her work. Okay. Um, and she was saying that because she was kind of frustrated with the responses that she was getting from predominantly middle-aged white males critiquing her work that they didn't understand it and why wasn't it in English and all these kind of things Um, and she basically did this post to say okay cool so I'm just gonna have people who understand my work critique my work and it she had like a absolute beast of a response from media as a result of that and I shared it and one of the things I do on Facebook if I find a, a post that I find interesting whether I agree with it or not I just put it up just to see what people think Um, So even if it's not necessarily my point of view, Mm -hmm. um, so this allowed for people to, which i would never actually, I didn't actually expect people to respond, but they did. Um, And then, but I just realized that first of all, when you do that, you got to be prepared to actually be there to respond to some of these things. Um, Because like... I'm busy as neck, So like, I think yeah, you're not back sitting to, there waiting. To yeah, <laughs> <pick a musical laughs> literally. Flight, yeah. So the conversation flows with all kinds of stuff. And you got to read all these stuff and then respond in, um, some kind of manner. But then also it becomes a forum. And so a forum usually needs someone to kind of help bring it to focus. Yeah. Cause one of the things I felt was, and this is not just on this particular issue is that a lot of the times there's the subject of the post or the source But then there's the theme around it and you often run the risk of almost forgetting the source completely and just talking about the theme.
1: Yeah, sure. And so
0: at that point, there's no almost desire to get to the answer of the specific question. and You talk about something else, which is fine. But um, I found I've already found myself having to be like, okay, cool, let's bring it back to the topic and then we can start another conversation about this thing later. But what I wanted, wanted, wanted to ask you is that when you're in this place, in this in this spaces which you've created, because I know we've had this conversation before and you were saying how it's, it's, it's good when people don't agree. Um, how do you manage that and what do you get from that kind of like... Um, sure.
1: Well, I think the trap of... is, I think the trap when you're having these discussions is trying to be right. Because the yeah. truth of the matter is everybody's perception is their truth. Mm-hmm. even if it isn't necessarily factual. But their why yeah. is behind why they think that way is truth. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of work from that situation. But I think the trap that we get caught up in is in that if you think that you're right, then you're entitled. Mm. And so that gets lost. Yeah. Now, the way I looked at it is I realised that in that situation, I wasn't necessarily... Obviously, I what I wanted ultimately was to get people to come around to my way of thinking. Mm. But then I realised that wasn't going to happen and actually what I needed to do is take time to actually really understand why do they think that way. Yeah. So I think from that, so I haven't done that particular thing for quite a a few years, but Mm. what that has led me to do is as I've travelled around the UK, particularly, I say the UK for this one, Mm -hmm. uh, through my dancing. I've really built and strengthened relationships that I've got around the UK and opened up doors to have these conversations, which have been amazing. Awesome. Because it's amazing because it's getting people to see something for what it is, as opposed Mm. to how you feel about it. I think sometimes we get caught up in talking about something based on how we feel about it rather than talking about what it is. Yeah. And so, um, I... I would say more so than this, the the forum which you talked about, which I think was probably Mm. the beginning of that journey. Right. I've seen some, had some amazing conversations, particularly from people within the white community. Okay. And the underlying theme that's kind of come back to me is lack of understanding who they are.
0: Mm. That's been the underlying
1: theme. Right. Could you go into that a little bit? Sure. Um, the big, well, the biggest thing is this. You know, they say what has been. I don't really know what white means to me. What does that mean? Is it food? It, what things is it that I'm either proud of or things that actually are cu- historical but current? Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you think about, like, say, um, I don't know, we said Italian, you said Spanish, but then even we'll, we'll use Caribbean, African, mm-hmm. Asian, no, like, Chinese. Um, you have foods, clothing, religions, spiritual philosophies, right. um, lots of different things, art, poems, art, all of these everything. things yeah. that represent who we are in a way mm. that's still quite current today. Right. Whereas mm. what I've kind of observed is in the English community, their identity is based on this modern day of living, which is very much based on capitalism, it's very much based on right. consumerism. Okay. And so what happens is when your identity is based on that, anybody can tap into it, because actually these are just systems that are just designed to be efficient for anybody. Do you see what I'm saying? So you haven't got it's almost like I'm a hip hop and an R and an R and B person mm. but my culture goes beyond that. So if you turn around and say I don't like hip hop and R and B I'm gonna be like, Okay, yeah, the music's crap. Okay. Right. <laughs> because I'm not hip hop, I just love hip hop. Right. This is what I'm right. saying? Mm. Whereas what I think happens is because a lot of the what the white community's identity is based on these systems, when you then critique them mm of course it's going to be taken personal because actually your identity doesn't go beyond anything further than the system. Mm. You take ownership for the, for your, you know, you say like the systems in Britain are, I don't know, institutionally racist, inherently racist in terms of value base. Mm. Well, actually, if all your identities are based on those modern day value bases, of course you're going to take offence to it because you mm. can't see yourself beyond that. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been learning from the different conversations. And this is this
0: is from the conversation through everything, right?
1: When so I started, the underlying theme from from when I started doing that, yeah, to the very many conversations I've had, not only in in, in, in the UK, it's been a lot more extensive because we go back and forth. Right. But even when I go to Europe and I have some of the conversations, just by what they say, but also what they don't say, I start to
0: draw these conclusions. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Again, you have to be very aware to be able to notice those things. Yeah. I remember doing a post once, which was like, if you don't pay attention to the kind of questions people ask, you might consider racism doesn't exist at all. Yeah, um, And just because it's it, you have to, it's nuanced. I mean, they, they say it a lot of the times, like there's different places of the world where racism is still quite overt. But UK, I find, is very subtle. And, and it's more a lot of microaggressions and systemic style stuff. But... When you're having these conversations and um, people just do not agree, it becomes an emotional thing. Absolutely. Um, And I I find having these conversations, from what I hear from a lot of people, that's one of the things that they have trouble with. But I hadn't considered, in that sense, the other side. Yeah. Which is why we need these conversations to happen. Absolutely. 110%. For me. Like, it's really important. So, like... What would you, what would you say to people who, <clears throat> what do you say to them in, in that scenario? Well,
1: the thing is, it's, I think for me, it's more finding out what these, what people know, okay. what people value, what people see and why they feel threatened or why they feel, because often the underlying, okay, so there's two types. Mm. What you tend to find, well, maybe there's more than two types, but like you, you, you have those from the white community who are quite defensive mm-hmm. and dismissive and it becomes a left and right argument which is something that I will say is quite a new phenomenon particularly from Brexit this Mm. awareness of left and right and the lefties are doing this right and I think there's probably some truth in it but Mm. then I think the danger with that it becomes a a, a route to to avoid what really needs to be talked about yeah but then you also have people who kind of um they other the situation so I'm not racist I don't do these things Mm. um and then you have people who maybe just feel quite victimised. Maybe they fall into the first category, but feel heavily victimised by the fact that they feel they can't do anything without being criticised. Right. But the problem is, is this, um, going back to what we said about culture, mm-hmm. religion in the in the English community is becoming less and less relevant, you know, mm. Catholic, Protestant by, by history, but not necessarily practising you're not actually doing things, rituals that you carry out on a daily basis that mm. are quite modern. It's just, you're just, by history, my grandparents were Catholic. They maybe, yeah. or god fearing, went to church, you just live your life, and maybe go to church on Christmas Day. Mm. So that's the first thing. Um, in terms of recent trauma, there isn't really any reference point for any trauma that's based around identity. So there isn't okay. really any reference point culturally or historically for you to understand how to navigate trauma. And actually, in my opinion, culturally, in the working class, in, not in, a, in the white community, culturally, there's a lot of suppression. And there's a lot of practices that that celebrates, or not celebrates, but almost endorses uh, suppressing that trauma. Mm-hmm. So you think about the relationship with, with alcohol in the white community. Okay. It's very yeah. toxic. Mm. Uh, a lot of the mentality, you know, if you look in the, say, the corporate level, in the kind of the highly educated or the upper class, it's all about work systems get on with it Mm. you almost put emotion to the back it's just you've got to work you've got to be Mm. seen you've got you've got to um it's all about doing the right things being with the right people there's no emotion so all of a sudden Mm. you're coming with an emotional argument you're you're losing because it's not the same language right you know i mean it's been suppressed it's systems it's practical that's why often i feel when you get into arguments often is show me stats yeah, because yes, that's the language yeah, yeah. that's understood. It's right, that's the point. You know, we're mm. coming from in a very emotional point of view, so we get very annoyed when people don't see what it is we're saying. But actually, mm. if you look at individuals' life, there's nothing about their life that that suggests that they reference thing, mm. not everyday emotion because we all do, but cultural emotion almost. There isn't a okay. navigation reference point for them. So it's like me trying to talk to Neil Armstrong about landing on the moon, mm. and all I've done is been on a roller coaster in Fort Park. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not going to work. So I'm really interested as a black person, for my own benefit, Mm. in really understanding why I think uh, the white community struggles generally as a whole to understand the concept of it. I also believe that, from my experience, there's been a lot of healing and therapy and seeing people get it. Okay. So for me, I feel as a black person, it's in my interest to invest in taking time to understand why they don't understand it. Because what okay. I've realized, when I've had these conversations, the table has turned. Okay. Then, I see I, then I feel like I'm the powerful one. Mm. Because now I'm bringing you information that actually you don't mm. have. Um, some people will say, well, that's not for you to have to make it okay for them. And I would argue and say, well, it's not really about making it okay for them. It's about investment in, it's about investment in yourself. So, for example, mm. if you're um, I don't know, if you if you're built if you're building on an old war site and you see an undiscovered bomb, you're going to sit there and complain. Who left this bomb here? Just mm. just, just clean it up. No, you've got to go through the procedures. You've got to make it safe mm. so that you can then carry out your agenda, which is build the building. Mm. So when I'm having these conversations and taking time to understand these. Uh, what white people, the white community, is saying, it's about making that space safe so that I can do what it is I want you to do, which mm-hmm. is I want you to understand something that needs to be understood. Yeah. So that's so that's how I look at it. I yeah.
0: yeah. How do you think the young people are navigating that? I know because you you work with young people yeah, still, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. how do you how do you feel like those you work with um, are navigating this kind of thing, or is it something that they don't? I think it's any- different. Right, okay. It's
1: different um, depending on where you're coming from. And do you know what? I'd probably say it's very different depending on where you've grown up. So, like, one thing mm-hmm. that uh, one of my friends said to me, he laughed when I was going for my iTunes and he said to me, Alex, you know you're from East London. And, he's, and, and so I laughed and I said, well, How did you work that? And he goes, man, look at you got Duran Duran and your thing, you got Phil Cole. <laughs> because okay. he said, A lot of the black, he's older than me, but he says, A lot of the yeah. black people in East London, grew up alongside the white communities because they had to, right. whereas when you're in, in South London you have bigger Caribbean communities, Interesting. you can be in your bubble right, and okay. not have to delve too much into what was going on there. Interesting. So I think people's experiences is about where they came, where they, where, where they grew up, mm. what they've seen. Mm. Um, often black kids growing up in schools in predominantly black areas or ethnic minority areas can be in a bubble in some ways why because in the playground black culture dictates fashion dictates mm. it's only when you come out into the working world do you begin to realize your place because you see like for example caribbean kids are continuing to fail in school working yeah. class white boys are continuing to fail in school but in the playground they the two at the top of the food chain right right interesting And as soon as they come out they're at the bottom right so i mm. think um but what I would also say is that I'm seeing this sense of unapologetic blackness okay. amongst young people. Yeah. And I think grime start, grime, I felt, I feel like I, I started to see that momentum in the grime scene. Okay. It's artists like um, Sway who would celebrate being Ghanaian and British. Right. So right, it, it right. felt like from that age group where you're starting to see black kids Feeling comfortable calling themselves mm. British, whereas I think okay. in my generation you still struggled with it because your perception of Britishness was this white, okay, racist kind right. of middle. So I feel like, and then obviously now you've got people like Stormzy and mm. people like that who are openly crit- crit- critical about certain systems, yeah. And there's almost an, an element of f- collective fearlessness amongst black people, mm. I think, that you're seeing. So, yeah, that's what I think. Where do you think
0: that's gonna go? like I'm just trying to think to myself, projecting, because you're right, there's been a lot of change. Like, for me personally, I thought, because uh, I'm Sierra Leonean, so I, my African side is, is always <laughs> is always there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And for me, it was like, Azonto was like, ping, like a point where, because at that point, even before that, there were a lot of people I knew who were African who told people they were Caribbean. 100%, Jamaican even. Yeah, Jamaican, yeah, yeah, exactly, I to mean, be specific. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No. It wasn't Grenadian. you weren't Oh, yeah. European, were, it was Jamaican. It was Jamaican, yeah, yeah. specifically. Um, and I saw that change as well, but, which is actually, relatively, a very short period of time. Yeah. Because like, obviously we've been around, we've been around for, for, for a minute. It's the changing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it feels, like almost overnight, that now, you can turn on, any show and there's like black references like just everywhere, so before it, it well it felt like for me it wasn't it wasn't like that, so for example, I went to um like you go to shopping malls and stuff and everything Afrobeats
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, Afrobeats to me is the biggest statement because it's so African, mm. but yet it's become so high profile yeah I never saw it coming at all i never saw it coming yet i
0: legit thought it was going to be like a like a fad in that sense i thought it was going to be something that people picked up and would run with it for a couple of months and then die but then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so which is why i was asking like what 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 do you feel like the reaction has been for the young people now because for me i didn't have that support (laughs) like (laughs) growing up do you know what i mean like just be being africa wasn't cool um and even now i'm i'm learning um as well neither necessarily depending on which environment you were was being black in general um so yeah first of all was that but then i'll come back to a question i was i've been holding off for a little second but um but yeah where do you see it going um well there's definitely a lot of work to do again london (laughs) is a bubble yeah, it's a bubble,
1: you know. You say that again, yeah. When you go outside of London and start to really look at, you know, the demographics and realize, well, you know, like I go to hartlepool for example. Okay. In the dance school, they'll play Afro beats and take an Afro beats workshop, which even that sometimes blows my mind because yeah. you hear the accent and you're like,
0: huh? And they'll be asking for it, as well, right?
1: Like. <laughs> but as soon as you step out of the dance studio, no. Right. So again, in my area, I remember, which is a strange thing. I remember, like, if my dad used to play soca music, you're waiting for that person to say, "Turn off that monkey music." Right. But yeah, reggae was loved by true. working class English people. Very true. Um, and then obviously you had the crossover soul songs that got into the charts and stuff like that. Yeah. And there was a generation of the late seventies of working class English that just just they just rolled in mm. black music yeah do you know what i mean there was yeah. a, so i think um what do i see i feel like Afrobeats has come it's made a statement it's unapologetic mm. however equally there's also been a push a revolt amongst mm. the, the white community particularly i've observed it from the working class in the form of people like so you had Nigel Farage he was not from that world mm. but he knew how to speak the language to trigger people to rise up and speak out right right someone like Tommy Robinson mm. has been a well kind of documented leader who is weird I have a re- I feel like he's someone that I find that I like him okay. he's someone that I feel I can sit down and talk to him mm. I feel like his thoughts are deluded. And the reason why mm. I use the word deluded, not that what he speaks isn't truth. I think he's very honest. I think, mm. I think he's very consistent.
0: For what he believes.
1: But for what he believes. I think it's almost like if you listen to him and only him, you'd think that Muslims were the reason why white working class are struggling. But mm. actually, it's about lack of education, aspiration. Mm. It's about the fact that society's changed and they haven't adapted with it. Mm. It's not about Muslims because the issues that white working class were having well long before we had this mm. issue around terrorism, you know mm. what I mean? But he's getting momentum yeah. of conversations. Mm. So while we're talking, we can have some dialogue. While yeah. you feel brave to say what you think, mm. even if it's outlandish, let's talk. Mm. But equally what it also means is for myself, I have to be more brave mm. to hear what I mean I want to hear right and that's my strategy because the thing is like you said while that's going on I think there's there's a need for black people to continue to build up their own pride invest in young people give them this space honour them celebrate Mm. them tell them well done
0: yeah
1: you need to be doing it. you need to be doing a bit of everything I think Mm. it's not just about Mm. the one strategy it's everything
0: yeah no I completely agree with that like I think um, it sounds like we're kind of in a similar kind of uh, mindset because mm. when those characters do pop up I'm like oh it would be interesting to have a conversation with them but then I find that speaking that out loud doesn't necessarily bear fruit because people are like what? why would you want to sit with them? all yeah, this kind of yeah, stuff yeah. it's yeah. like yeah but I mean um, like Brexit was a good example of yeah. that whole scenario a lot of people like you said London is a bubble yeah, yeah 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 a lot of people were shocked at the response me included yeah 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 but in a sense that we were like yeah but surely they don't really believe these things and all this kind of stuff. But you won't know if you don't talk Mm. to people.
1: Yeah, you're right. And also, like, it's artists like us. Likely a lot of our friends are artists, and artists tend to have a bit more of a liberal type of thing. So you've Mm. got two bubbles. You've got the London bubble, and then you've got the artist bubble. Yes, And they're just not reflective of of how England is. true. Now, I mean, um, I feel, yeah, I just... (laughs) You said something that triggered me to say, Yeah, with black people, I feel like we still have our own personal journey. So there's this journey mm-hmm. of understanding historically what's happened mm-hmm. and beginning to realize, Wow, there's a lot of history that was not told to us. This mm-hmm. is now making sense. There's also a lot of inspirational black leaders and stuff that we weren't told about. Oh, so mm-hmm. we can. So there's that narrative. And then there's also a narrative about the relationship with yourself. And what yeah. I mean by that is that it's all well and good talking about what happened two years ago, or I mean, 200 years ago if you can't talk about why you can't wake up early in the morning if you can't talk mm. about those things your daily demons that you go to sleep mm. with and wake up with it's pointless talking about the demons of those because yeah. to me it starts with this first Okay. so at least from my perspective by going on that journey and having to face and continuing to really look at myself and understand there is quite not pro- not what should I say things in my life that are not helping me move forward now that I've right, begun to okay. realise that they exist and I operate with them, mm. and they're not, but they're not serving me any purpose, so I have to get rid of them. Mm. When I understand that concept, it's also allowed me to understand the, 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 the challenges that the white community face mm. with a bit more humility. Okay. And I know sometimes that would kind of trigger some people in the black community because it's almost like, what do you mean? And I do think there's a part of us that we can have a sense of entitlement because our history was ugly Mm. we expect people to just understand Mm. not understanding that our history and our journey so for example we love music we love dance we're much more expressive we're much Mm. more in tune so these things come quite easy to us right but you're talking to people that it doesn't come easy to them Mm. so i would say think about something in your life that doesn't come easy to you Mm. and see how you are if someone deals with you in a harsh way yeah. versus someone deal with you in a way that understands and wants to take you on a journey Yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with the white community mm-hmm. in that there's arrogance there's greed mm. there's also shame there's, mm. there's, there's pain there's all of yes. those things attached but while they're not even t- turned on the plug mm. we can't expect you know I can't get upset with a teddy bear because the teddy bear's is not talking back to me hm. you've got to know what it is yeah Okay. Do you know what I mean? And so when you're dealing with the working class, well, not the work, the white community, you almost have to analyze what, see what it is first, and think, okay, am I what I expect from them?
0: Is that realistic right now? Okay. So what do we do to move that forward? Do you know what I mean? So do you find yourself navigating all these thoughts before, like just as you're going to have a conversation, like because that's a lot to think about. you know what that that, that's come from me reflecting on myself okay
1: you know um one of the biggest things that i've learned about myself is lack of confidence that i started to realize i had as an undertone okay so for example when people say to me oh alex man yeah you're really humble there's Mm. truth in that but i realized that humbleness was driven from a place of I didn't feel confident, so I didn't feel that I was capable of to, of displaying any other type of behavior. I see. Is what I'm saying, so okay. you would make a judgment on me based on my outside behavior, mm. but actually, the undertone is something that's actually quite toxic, right? And it's okay. not as powerful as you think. Mm. So, um, and also a sh- the shame attaches. So, for example, when I went through depression and the various times that I've in these years leading up. Mm. The shame and the guilt that's attached to it because you're supposed to be a leader, you're supposed to be a figurehead, you're supposed to be someone that people look up to. Mm. How can I get like this? That means I'm weak. You then start having that internal narrative. Right, right. So, and then you realise, this shame, where did this come from? What experience did I have that allowed me to get like this? Mm. So, I guess, when you get to the point when you um start to break down yourself and realise, gosh, there's so many more layers to me than this. Yeah then i have to accept that there's going to be so more less as much as my frustration wants me to just put a stamp mm. and close the case because yeah. it meets my needs mm. i have to accept that there's loads that we don't understand about this arena that whether i like it or not yeah we have to accept that there's layers there. if you want yeah. if you're going to accept the same about yourself mm. you know what i mean so that's kind of my narrative so when i go in i've already thought that through right and I just have the conversations and, and accept but catch myself if I'm getting, because I will get angry. Certain things mm-hmm. i said, I've had people said to me that you guys are no good for, for your, all you guys are good for is spreading diseases and just having sex uncontrollably. Eee, right. To your face. No, this is actual Facebook, bruv. But I remember sitting, leaving Canning Town Station on the train. <clears throat> you know when you're angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> then once. Right, right, right. But then you got to catch, I've got to own that that's not yeah. about them i have to own that myself that's my okay. reaction so i have to so that's what i think is about i've really i'm learning to take ownership of my own emotions
0: that's another interesting one so i, I know there's there's like Learning. meme learning yeah, to learn. yeah no it's all a process like there's there's this meme culture at the moment so there's a lot of like anecdotes that are going around but one of them is um you basically long story short you can only control your own emotions like someone can say something really hurtful but you can't control that all you can control is your own um but how in the moment do you do that sure so then um my
1: question my conversation style is now based on questioning as opposed to facts Right. So, actually, my experience of getting into debates with people always ends in a couple of ways. Sarcasm, Okay. which is often quite, I would say, is quite a cultural way of communicating within the, work, the working class, especially sarcasm. Mm. But also, I read sarcasm as when you realise that my points and my factual, you can't answer them, or my actual factual questions that can't be answered right you opt for sarcasm Mm -hmm. so at that point i just think okay i've got my answer so in their mind they think i'm toy with him but in Mm. my mind i'm like okay i've got what i needed i don't need to engage in this anymore right okay also um it's about again it's about just questioning what they knew and what they don't know because then they may feel that they're getting the upper hand but actually Mm. i'm getting what i need and once mm. I've understood you, then I've already understood, okay, do I need to engage in this? And I'm actually happy to make you, to let you think you've won the conversation. Okay. I remember one time when I was introduced to Jordan Peterson, it was mm. in a conversation on Facebook and one of the guys goes, I think you should listen to this guy. And if you don't, if you don't get what he's saying, then you really need help. I think you need to sit down and take some notes. He's saying that to you? On on Facebook. Okay. And I said, "Um, oh, cool. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll check him out. Right. And he felt good, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm learning about him. Yeah. And I'm with what I know already, mm. this is giving me better thingy. So again, the sense of someone winning an argument is about your head and where your mind is, mm. and often where your ego is. And if your ego you're not that under thing. control, mm-hmm. then your argument's not in the, under control. That's yeah, what I think. I, for me, I want to understand and I want to understand truth. As hurtful as it is, I want to understand the truth. Mm. I don't want to relish be right because it hasn't helped and being right hasn't stopped my depression over the years. So what's the point, right? You know what I mean. So let me—I'd rather just surrender to it and 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 listen to what I don't want to hear in 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 the hope that I can walk away. Even if they don't want to go with me, even if yeah. they don't want to hear me, I understand something because right. I take that knowledge and I go somewhere else.
0: Mm. yo that's a lot. So I'm I'm applying that now to because one of your roles, you said you're a learning mentor, mm. so. Um. You help people learn. So learning mentor was a job
1: created by Tony Blair in 1999 when he created Citizens and Excellence and Cities, and the idea was is that okay. in schools you had naughty kids and you had super intelligent or intelligent kids. Naughty kids get attention naturally. The intelligent ones get pushed. The ones in the middle get nothing. And sometimes uh. you got kids that could just slip subtly and and nothing will happen so mentors were put in place to try to keep an eye and capture those kids i see but it never really worked because in the end because schools were already overwhelmed with naughty behavior Mm. you ended up becoming and also because of the way we worked we built good relationships with those naughty kids Mm. so then the teachers were like okay Right. Okay. So it never really worked in the way that it was intended, but the concept of mentoring, yeah, I got into that, and actually, I, I think naturally, even before I got into it, I think I had a natural way. So when you think mm-hmm. about, for example, dancers on the scene, yeah, at some point, I've had a mentoring relationship with most, people, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and um, and that was not deliberate; it was just how it became. Yeah, yeah. So um. Yeah, I think the mentoring side of it, although there is a there is a structure and if when you get into the industry there is do's and don'ts. But in terms of just the concept of nurture, guidance and taking mm. someone on a journey, I think that's always been kind of the theme for anyone that's learned anything off of me.
0: Right. Mm. So what in that professional capacity would be like an example of what like an average like would you call them sessions? Like yeah. how would how would what would they look like?
1: So the school would the, the head of year would identify kids who maybe could do with that additional support. You would then set up either mm. some one to ones with them. So during that term, you might set up one weekly one to one. If it's a bit more intense, you do maybe twice a week. Mm. You get them to look at. Again, it's so varied because at the time we were the guinea pigs. There was no blueprint for what it was. Right, right, so right. we were the ones that created this the syllabus for those for about three okay. or four years. Later. Of what you had to do, because mm. we didn't know what we were doing. You had youth workers coming in, you had ex-teachers coming in. Right. I had none, no experience. So we all came with our ideas, mm. and then we had to, have to meet up every three months to discuss. Oh, okay. So that they can form anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did, yeah, one-to-ones. It could be um, group work. Sometimes we did proactive work. We would do youth. We did work across the board, looking at things like bullying. Sexual awareness. We'd mm. also get different organisations to come in and do work in the school if we identified some issues. Yeah, we'd do a bit of negotiation if kids have had some bust-ups and arguments. We'd do that. Mm. Parents would do home visits sometimes. So it was a bit of everything mm. attached to it. But essentially, you were like their big brother or their big your big sister, right, right? And you work with that. But I struggled with that because the problem is, is the school because it was a funded initiative they mm-hmm. wanted that in the end that you're raising the attainment levels Okay. when I was beginning to realise that actually this is long term this is not something mm-hmm. you fix by the time they leave school mm-hmm. it's a lifelong journey mm-hmm. so I was working in that way and I never always felt that I was not. Well, no, I'm telling I, that's not true there was many kids that did raise the attainment working okay. for mentor but actually my legacy was that I still talk to many of those kids now okay. and they're in their 30s Late twenties, mm. and although obviously the relationships are not the same, the sheer fact that they see me as someone like that is valuable yeah. is a success. In terms of did it tick the boxes for excellence and cities, mm. I don't know. I don't think it did because I think mentoring has kind of has changed right, over the years. Okay. So yeah, again, you can't take a kid, make him good. Mm. You've got to look at everything. What's going on at home? How do they think? Mm. Especially now with knife crime, it's the gro- the grooming system is much mm. more aggressive now right. than it was back then. Mm. So it's too many factors to for you to see a kid once a week and change t- change the whole world. You know? Yeah, Don't
0: you? I guess one of the one of the reasons I was asking is because like we were we were having a conversation before we went live and mm. and effectively a lot of what you describe is what you do with yourself. And um, I thought that was like powerful because i think it's something that everyone should do i think even if it just starts with you just being aware of how you're feeling in the moment but you seem to have almost like a a system of how you kind of um navigate yourself and how you described it as a car Uh,
1: um yeah yeah when you do like a mechanic and checking yourself right of thing. yeah but it's weird because obviously when you put it into words it's, you know and, and, and obviously if someone isn't there in that life and they think I want to be there it, it sounds amazing but the reality is I had no choice right it was yeah. either that or die mm. so although uh, you know sometimes when people listen to kind of my story and when I break it down in an emotional way people like wow nothing but admiration but it was either that or I mean in my later stages of depression in that time I mm. was flirting with suicide right the right, idea right. of it but so I had no choice Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It just happened to be that I'm I'm a thinker, I'm an anal- anal- analyzer in that sense. I'm quite an emotional person, so yeah. it suited me to work it in that way, and, and 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 somehow work this out. Yeah. But then even then, I've got I still got. I mean, we all do have a long way to go. I mean, I'm starting to do to work with a life coach to help. Me okay. Bring structure to me because what mm-hmm. I've learned about myself is. You know, I've, I've got so many different skills that I'm quite strong in them all. Right, but right. I, so the 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 consequence of that is no pinpoint. Mm. So it can just, I can go here, then I can go here. Yeah. But what what, what where am I doing this? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So you know, there's so much you can learn about yourself. And I really feel like I'm, I really, I say a lot, but actually I'm really at the beginning.
0: I yeah. really, really am. No, for sure. Like I... I think I think I think most of us go through that at some point in our lives like and it sounds like for me I described it as finding out my I guess some people call it purpose in a way, some people call mm. it their why, mm. something like that. Mm. But uh for me it kind of I had to really sit back and think what are the common denominators mm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. shall we say. Like mm. with all the stuff I do, what are the things that are consistent mm. at any level mm. between all of those? Like right. for me, that's that's how I ended up creating this become thing as as an idea because at the time there was a lot of stuff I was interested in, and um, I realized that Africa was the source of all of it. Mm. Um, yeah, interest it, in Africa and and yeah. everything that yeah. But I didn't recognize it at that at the time. I just thought it was just I like this music, or I like this topic or anything like that but it's looking back I was like actually I've got this body of work which is all about the same thing um and applying that to to like you as an individual because like knowing what I know of you now I can see what you mean because you you've got even if it's just access to and I I think the way you think as well has kind of opened the world to you in that sense so it's almost sport for choice like okay cool I can do anything so what do I do and I think a lot of people out there are on either end of that pole. Sure. They either don't know what to do because they feel like they can't do anything or they feel like they can do everything. Yeah. So then what do you do? What do you do, yeah.
1: <laughs> and where is your heart pulling you?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And you're very right. I mean, I think the underlying... When to start looking at the underlying film, I think one of the things that I've definitely learned recently about myself is is communication. Mm. So even though dance... You know, many people, including yourself, know me primarily from the dance scene. Actually, the, the, what was it? Because I didn't really win... If you think, I don't win competitions in the way that Brooke, Marvel or Dixon have. Mm. But yet there is an element of respect for my knowledge, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. So there's something to do with the way that I communicate. Um, then when I think Good about point. my mentoring, it's about the communication. When you hear me talking passionately about cultures understanding each other, it's Mm. all about understanding so so far in my journey i understand these are common themes that exist in so i feel like whereas at one point in my life i thought the dances was going to take me i have to win some competitions i have to get the professors they can see me and then when they see me Mm. they can get the jobs and then i can teach and everyone and then i can do but i'm starting to realize actually the dance was actually was just for me really right it makes me happy Yeah, it's taken me a long time to 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 get to that acceptance. It really has. I hear that because it was frustrating me when I felt like, well, I'm not, I'm getting overlooked. I feel like people are not really respecting Mm. what it is I'm bringing us. Or, or, uh, people see it, but they don't see it. That's how I was feeling. Yeah. But then I realized actually I need to let go of that because actually, what this dance does is makes me feel happy, and that's Mm. the success that it needs. Maybe. My purpose isn't mm. the dance. It's just that I'm there to do this. And while I can get m- emotional balance, mm. this is where I need to be working. Right. right, right. So, um, yeah, it's working for us. It's
0: working Definitely. for me. I might be pole dancing next month. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't put it past <laughs> you, bro. Communicating. You're <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, what are we doing right now? What's gravity? Yeah. Let's, let's uh, talk about talk <laughs> moments. You
1: know what mean? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I love it. I mean, I think for me, communication is a big thing, and it's like when you when you said that, I completely agree, because thinking about it now, you're right. Like even even me, I always used to used to wonder like how come how come Alex isn't um, like this person or that person in that sense. Like, I mean, and it's not just you. It's like there's a few people actually that come to mind where I'm like, okay, this person is their technique is this way or their knowledge is this level, um, but for some reason in the industry yes. of dance it's yes. not it's not translated it's not translated yeah. in that sense yeah it took me, it took me a long time to because
1: I went through a, a heavy stage of frustration and resentment because of that but what i this is a, this is a truth that i 've understood about that mm. the industry is an industry it changes it flows mm. it evolves and actually if we look at music, you know every artist has its moment and mm. actually the clo- the more, recent these waves are even shorter and shorter now mm. and actually the dance industry is that so when so when i got into it when it wasn't really an industry it was just the mm. culture because the industry didn't wasn't really looking at street dancers right mm. we were hanging out outside pineapple practicing and training i mean from yeah them days when yeah. i bag Z and then i would introduce you that's how we <laughs> did it yeah it was no it was just that Then, when it became something more structured, I remember I was working in Butlins for a year, so I came off the scene, Mm. came back at the beginning of 2010, and I remember looking and thinking, what is this? I don't belong here. Right, okay. And I I tried to fight that, because I thought, maybe it's something about me. Mm. I thought, maybe, okay, so I need to dance, I need to do what I need to do, I need to fight. But being competitive in that sense doesn't come natural to me, so I'm already out of my element. Yeah, I didn't know that because my ego is saying I've got to. I'm I'm UK champ. People look up to me like. Mm. But I was just getting more unhappy and unhappy and unhappy. Mm. And then all of a sudden, and me, I realized what dance was put in my life to give me satisfaction self All this UK champ champion thing, I never planned for that.
0: Mm. So
1: rather mm. than seeing it for what it was, I felt like like well, that means I've got to be this, this, and this, and this, and this, which yeah. never was the case. Mm. So lately, in the last three years. And especially in the last two years, I've just returned back to that truth. Now, when I dance, I dance the way I did back in 1999. Innocence. No expectations. Yeah. Nothing more. Because that's not Mm. what I got into this dance for. I didn't get into this dance to teach a workshop in Lithuania. Mm.
0: Mm. That just happened. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's true. And I I remember even even me, I had this really weird experience once. Because I don't really battle anymore um and and for me there were there were certain things that happened on the way that made me realize that's okay like one of them was i remember asking this one guy i kind of remember his name but i was like oh are you battling they're like no and it's like oh so why not he's like just don't want to i was like it's simple as that cool yeah yeah yeah. i was like oh that's actually dope yeah okay cool you you just hear because you can yeah um and the other one was I remember going to one competition, and <laughs> so I've literally replaying it in my head because the conversation baffed me yeah, up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I said like it's it's like an industry, in a sense, like the the art part. I felt in some ways sometimes got lost from what I was seeing, or mm. the or the the passion and emotion style thing, and it. Became almost like a business style thing, yeah, so yeah, there was course, like yeah. structure in that sense. Because I'm I'm doing this round, and I'm going for it, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it because it's like someone I know. Yeah. Finish, and it goes to them, and I don't really worry about it because I, I wasn't there for that. Like, usually nowadays, I just find a corner and kick it and anyway. It be, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, like if, that's that's where I'm, I'm in my element. Yeah. Like. My whole thinking is that, why should only two people be enjoying this song? <laughs> like So, yeah. um, Tell Tell so but the one of the judges came to me. So they took it out of their own time to come and find me. And they were like, I just wanted to let you know why you didn't go through. And I was like, oh, half of my head was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other half was like, okay, cool. So come with it. So. And they said something along the lines of "You didn't dance like you wanted to win," and I was like, "You're right." I didn't realize that was one of the criteria on your yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was real eye opener for me because it made me realize then it's like it's not just about the music, it's not just about the dance, but apparently it's about your intention. Like yes. you got to want to destroy. Yeah, perceived intention. Perceived intention. Yeah.
1: Because that happened to me. They said that to me, and I'm thinking, right. so hang on a minute. Six hours practicing the Cobra in your room is not you wanting it. Mm. So what does wanting it look like? Does it mean this? Yeah, it's a frown, I it's, think. You know what <laughs> I mean? Or is it a very specific... You know what I mean? So mm. when I had the same... Right, okay. And I realised, okay, so what is actually wanting is a very specific thing. Uh-huh. It's not in really embracing wanting it because, again, it's a bit like what society... How society operates. We live in a society where your status is built on what you own how much you earn Mm. and all of those sorts of things. People who are naturally competitive often are in a head start because that's the best thing. You know what I mean? If you're more like, like you say, you're more in your element when you're in an emotional place Mm. or you're in your element when you're in your analytical place, you may struggle a little bit. You have to work harder. And I remember having this conversation with Dixon. Right, okay. And I said to Dixon, because we know Dixon's very competitive, I Mm. said to him, in these environments, I said, as soon as I'm battling you you're already ahead of me because you're in your element Mm. and I'm not in my element Mm. but we have to be competed and judged amongst each other yeah so you just have to you have to know your the problem with this scene is now there's so much narratives that again people don't get a chance to find out well what is my relationship with dance because I've been told what it should be Mm. what is my actual relationship with dance why am I here yeah what if I go in a battle Mm -hmm. would I still be valued as much that's the question yeah you know because the thing is the thing that really I found really interesting mm. about that is that okay like if i are talking about myself but even talking about other people yeah ah oh, this person yes, I love how this person feels when they dance they just feel it and they just flow man it's beautiful mm. but you would only post the person that won the competition
0: mm. if you felt that way why don't you blow them up
1: the same way that you blow interesting you see what I'm saying very interesting But I don't think it's coming from anything negative. I don't think it's conscious.
0: Yeah, I I was about to say, I don't think it's conscious It's not conscious at all. So
1: that's just... When I started to realise this is the the environment, I mean, I can't be angry in this environment. I was getting angry, but I can't. Because, again, it goes back to the teddy bear. It's Mm. like me getting angry with a teddy bear because I can't have a conversation with it. Right. Just know what it is. Yeah. And then decide, is it for you? And is it not for you? And obviously, the challenge is unfortunately, to get the recognition, to get the financial success, it's often done in that way. Yeah. So it's, can you find a different way of doing that? Yeah. Or do you... Yeah, that's the bit that I'm still working on, is how, as a dancer, can you find an alternative way of getting the kind of income? Mm. Do you have to be in a scene to get that, or is it that maybe the scene is just a place for you to have your fun, but Mm. then you go to work elsewhere in a dance scene?
0: I personally think it's, it's, it's like a mix of the two. One thing I've learned from... Because I would say that now I'm on this entrepreneurial journey as well. And I'm realizing that a lot of people, again, going back to these anecdotes and, and memes and stuff you see a lot of the time, people say you can, you can do whatever you love and mm. make money out of it. Mm. That's a very blanket kind of throw yeah, it air it kind of way, yeah, right? Yeah. But one of the things I, I, I realized is to be able to do that first, you need to understand what people need. Um, so for example, we used to have Skebe Kings, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a group of five of us who were dancers and we went to Miami and we basically had this deal where with the DJs, you carry on your set, you don't turn it down, you don't announce us or anything like that. But we come in at the beginning of the night, we bring our energy and we turn that thing up. Mm, you just basically create that party exactly yeah that's it yeah like so we created that because people saw that that's what we were doing anyway but then we just created like a whole system around it but then we had to think about how we're going to market it and all this kind of stuff which is where the entrepreneurial side of it is but only because of experiences like that do i now realize that it can actually be done but you just Again, you have to know what people need, like so we have to recognize that a DJ has their best time when they've got something to feed off, and the energy is coming from the crowd as much as them giving to the energy, and they don't want to stop the music and you know give a space in this mix, even if it's going to be a great show sometimes, they want to have some kind of back and forth, absolutely and all that kind of stuff, so which is very different to most people who were uh, working with DJs at the time. Um, If it was something where you wanted to, like you, like, so for example, and there was another time when I was more in the professional (laughs) uh, element, um, and I was doing more commercial work, Mm. is that I realised that there were so many different roles within dance as a blanket term, that there were stuff I couldn't even imagine. Sure. Teacher is different from dancer, which is different from artist, which is different from choreographer, which is different from assistant choreographer, which is different to all that kind of stuff. Um, Mentor, and obviously nowadays you can create courses and all this kind of stuff. But really, it's it's being like, okay, trying different things, for me anyway, it was about trying different things even within that element and seeing what I really, really enjoyed because there were some things I hated. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I was like but I thought I would have liked it. Right, okay. Do you know it's what I mean? Year. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm gonna do a freestyle gig in this so-and-so. I'm a freestyle, do you know what I mean? I'm a freestyle yeah. king, yeah, like that's yeah. what I do. Like, I'm, surely I'm gonna love it. And then I go and then it's like, no, actually, no, yeah. no, I don't like this setup. Yeah. So then it's like, be, again, being aware and looking under the bonnet and being like, so what does actually make me tick? What environment needs to be there for me to be in my element? Yeah and then create something out of that. But whatever way you look at it, it ain't easy, are you?
1: It's not easy, but and I think one you know, one of the things that so I'm working with this lady, uh shout out to Myth for Sorta. Of I met her in a very random way, but um mm. she does a lot of amazing leadership work in London and she is a, is a is a kind of a it's a five module leadership training but she got me involved to do some work with them. Okay. And I'm using my dance in a very creative way with them. And that's in the corporate world. So actually, what mm. that did is open my open my world to understand that being a successful dancer doesn't mean I need to get the thumbs up from Bruce Kanji from Juice to Boo. right? Because I think that's where we, I think that was probably where my mind was being limited. Is that I'm yeah. waiting for that that seal of approval from this community? Yeah. But dance is much bigger than that. The fact that I've trained popping and I've looked at the, I, I looked at the OGs, that's my journey. Yeah. But in terms of what I've got to offer. From dance, what I can give to people, it's it's huger than the scene. It's much yeah. bigger than the scene, and I think that's one of my epiphanies that I've had in the last two years.
0: Definitely yeah. agree with that. Like I, I, th- I feel, I feel like it was you did a post or something like that once, mm-hmm. which said something along those lines once. Okay. Probably, yeah, um, probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I
1: just have these these and I and <laughs> push it out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: I remember, I remember it stuck with me for so long. I mean, I was. I was writing that off in, in classes and stuff. After that, like you know, this is bigger than it's bigger yeah. than dance. It's bigger than a competition. And then, but it's it's so true because one of the things that I I feel like it goes back to is um, acknowledgement mm. and validation mm. because there's a risk when, like you said, limited versions of validation. Like if you can only feel validated if you. Receive that okay from this one person, then that means you may never feel validated, even if there are many different ways 110%. that you are. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think even if you obviously we're talking as dancers and stuff right now, but yeah. you can apply that to anything. Anything in life.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and you know what? One of the things that I've been I've I've been taught by listening to other people who have probably been more experienced in that field. When you not to look at those answers and start listening to everything that people are saying to you. Everything, you, mm, mm. you know. So um, it, it's a passing comment. Like I don't know. Hmm. I went to the house as a common. I mean, this is a bit more of a bigger example. But I went to the house as mm. a common a couple of weeks ago. First time I went, crazy okay. experience. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> we went imagine. there to, it was, yeah, mad. We went to to um, talk about knife crime in one of their smaller chamber rooms. Wow. And met some really interesting people, uh, including David Lammy was there, and a few other people who have been senior in the police.
0: Right.
1: As well as just regulars. Mm. So we're talking at one point, I I raised a point and I wanted to ask for a bit of insight and we have some back and forth. Mm. And then naturally at the end of the, the the conference, people would want to rush over to whoever's senior guests and try and get right. the contact. The amount of people that came rushing over to me. Wow. And I didn't, to the point that I was like, well, what did I say? Oh, mm. I talked about that. So what I'm saying is, in the end, that happened and it's a passing experience, you know, moved on. Mm. But then it got me thinking, okay, what is he saying about me? Yeah. What does this reaction say about me? I may not get the answers now, but then maybe in a month's time something else will happen. Yeah. So I feel like, especially now, especially as I'm kind of really reaching out to find where I fit and I really, you know, 2020 for me is like, yeah, what well, I've I've got to have that nailed down. Okay. I'm constantly walking around in life just with my eyes and my ears open to every yeah. comment that's been said because there's something in it and sometimes we can miss it because we're waiting for that one yeah, comment from that one person, and everyone's talking, and I've ignored it, and I've dismissed mm. it. and I don't know. What I've done that in the past. You
0: know what I'm saying? I think we all can be guilty of that, but I think I think it's great that you're doing that. And and first of all, brap. Yeah, so comments, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, <laughs> like <light. laughs> hang on I'm okay, going you know, what I'm saying? Cheers. <laughs> 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 that's mad no, that's dope. Yeah, that's yeah. really dope. Yeah. And the thing is, I can even hearing you saying that though, for some reason. It's not out of the ordinary for some reason. I can I can imagine you there. I can imagine you as a as a person who is people go to as a reference or or like uh almost like a thought leader in right. that sense. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. and someone who would the, they'll go to and be like, Okay, cool, we need your an opinion, opinion. on yeah. this. Yeah. Because you've have a breadth of opinions that you've gathered through the years and I feel I feel like your your mind, like I said earlier, is expanded enough for you to be open mm. to have conversations with anybody, mm. which means that you will have that situation and not even realise the impact realize. you've yeah, 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 yeah. had on that yeah, room. Yeah. Like, expand that to everywhere. I can see why you're having problems figuring that out. Yo. <laughs> no, it was, I, and and it, it was actually, and
1: it was this year that I, I, it was Jimmy Williams that's, that said it to me, because we mm. were sitting, we do... I mean, Jimmy's someone I really look up to. He's a legend to me, and um, mm. I've learned a lot from him. But we was like every year, we do some work in Switzerland. So we we're sitting at the table, and he goes, Alex, you know what? Exactly what you said. He goes, you've got so many different aspects to you, so many aspects to you. he mm. goes, I can see why this has taken you a long time to work it out. Yeah. And it's only when he articulated then I started to think. So it's interesting that you're saying the same thing. Yeah. But actually, so, in fact, my life coach, she said the same thing yesterday to me. Right. It's going to take me a while and I'm going to have to be patient because yeah. my ego side, which isn't always a bad thing, but my ego side will look at things and be like, that should be me.
0: Mm. But if I, and,
1: and and what I have to learn to do is acknowledge that I feel like that and accept it and see it as powerful, but don't let it consume me to the point where I feel like mm. resentment. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I've really been thinking about is I want to be more proactive really articulating how i feel positively about things right i see people doing things that i know deep down i really should be doing that but actually i'm Mm. gonna go to them and say you know what that's powerful and it inspires me because essentially that frustration is actually a subtle inspiration
0: yeah
1: but i don't admit it my ego wants to be like they shouldn't Mm. be there but actually Mm. i need to so yeah so it's changing you know it is it's changing how you truly feel about yourself not how you say you feel how you truly yeah. feel yeah. because then if you're going to talk about things like attracting that's how you attract mm. it's not just about just imagining it and saying oh i want this in my life yeah and indeed that you don't believe it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean so i've got to look at myself from within and catch myself doing certain things that i know is not helping me right do you know what i mean right, i can right. talk this way but if I don't believe it, I know it to myself. So, so I'm lying true. to myself. So let's just do the work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, man. Yeah. Bro, I'm gonna I'm gonna yes. start running up just 'cause we could be talking all day, and I feel <laughs> <been, it's> <laughs> back back like we covered a lot of stuff already. Just like fair stuff, and it's oh, just been right. it's wicked having conversation with you, man. Oh, like man, likewise, always a pleasure.
1: And you're good at really kind of how you conduct it and go with it. You're really good at that, so that's
0: really. Uh, yeah. I try. It's 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 a wonder I've written notes at all, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just, <laughs> true. I'll be so engrossed with conversation, like yeah. you talk about.
1: Um, <laughs> um stuff yeah you know, stuff. Be... yeah yeah. yeah. we talk about all sorts wait till the episode comes out <laughs> yeah no good honestly that's good
0: oh it's wicked well thank you very much man is there anything you'd want to say to people um i know we've covered a lot but any like like leaving words that you want to give to people who are listening
1: um yeah i think for me i think the underlying theme from all of this that we've spoken about is essentially that I've had to look at myself, and the truth of the matter is a lot of the answers we do know, mm. but they are within. And right. if you haven't taken time to do that search, you know, looking at everything from your own miseducations, your own demons, your own strengths, it's going to be very difficult to have answers. And I believe, like, my ability to understand others has only come from my ability to understand myself. Woo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and so how can I be maybe a bit more compassionate about people that have real opposite thought process to me? Is right. I as I recognise my weaknesses, right? Do you know what I mean? And I and I wouldn't like I wouldn't feel good if people were judging me on those on my weak weaknesses, right, right, right. And we are yeah. the we you know we are we are the same. Even though we have different histories, we are all human So yeah, yeah. My truth is their truth. We just have to understand how they
0: fit. For sure. You know what I mean, for so, sure. Yeah. As powerful. Powerful parting words. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, how can people kind of follow your journey, um, get in touch, or kind of see what Alex mm. Mechanical Peter is up
1: to? Um, you can hit me up on my Instagram, which is Mechanical spelled M-E-C-H-A-N-I-K, double O L. So, Mechanical. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's yeah. okay. That's the spelling. It's <laughs> Alex underscore Mechanical. That's it. Right. Okay. So cool. that's it. Alex underscore Mechanical with a K. Right. And the two O's. And then um, or if email, if you want to do the email thing,
0: it's mechanical at gmail.com. Amazing. Why the K, by the way, before we go?
1: It was a wordplay. So basically uh-huh. what it was is um, it was in preparation for the 2005, the 1st popping battle that okay. started in the UK, the regional well, yeah, conflict. Yeah, yeah. And what it was, I needed the name. So right. the two options was Mechanical X or Mechanical. Right. Because people always used to say that I've got quite a calm nature. Uh-huh, but okay. the mechanic, because of like Taco, was known for his machine movement, and yes. he was a big inspiration to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was a play on that, and the call was just—it's just a play on that. It right. stuck. I had no. In- I, I, I. It was just a joke, and it stuck with me.
0: And... Yeah, yeah. They do that.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on here, man. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation, oh, and um, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it too. And if you want to ask. Mechanical or any other questions, you can get us at info at becomeimmersive.co.uk. You can hit us up on Twitter at TLL2W. Um, yeah, getting the biscuits out of yeah.
1: You're talking, I'm talking. You know, what that's it. Yeah, sorry,
0: my bad. You can also send messages out to us that you can record as voice notes at anchor.fm forward slash T-L-L-T-W forward slash message. And if you have any questions or comments or any suggestions for anyone we should have on the show, um, any feedback would be dope. And, yeah, it's just been awesome. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. And that was it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it and got some value from it. Um, If you want more info, you can go to www.becomeimmersive.co.uk. That's www.becomeimmersive.co.uk. If you have any questions or queries or you want to just give us a shout out, go to um, becomeimmersive at gmail.com or info at becomeimmersive.co.uk. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is The Lion Learns to Write, reclaiming our narrative through identity, empowerment and creativity. So let's do that. Have an amazing day and see you next episode. Peace.